last part of that verse, 1630, Acts 1630, the jailer had a question. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? I have questions. What was the mood of the jailhouse the day before Paul and Silas showed up? Had they ever held Christians? Had they ever heard singing, praying? Was the jailer told of their crime? Did he think they were thugs, murderers, robbers, or was he advised they were creating havoc because they were preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ? Did the jailer, when he showed them to their room, address them as sirs? Here's where he'll be staying. What was the jailer hoping to be saved from when he asked, what must I do to be saved? The earthquake? The other prisoners who really were criminals, we assume? The death sentence of the, the Roman government because he had failed in his custodial responsibility to preserve these prisoners as he was told to do. When, when he called for the light, who brought it? And when they brought it, why didn't he kneel trembling before that person and ask, what must I do to be saved? And then why, why did he run to Paul and Silas rather than a dozen or two other alternatives? It's not like he knew them. Uh, it's not like they, he recognized their voices. He just met them. And at that, they were in, in bad condition. It reminds me of a question I had of my mother when I was in grade school, and they passed around a card in those days to determine your religious affiliation. And so uh, there were a number of options. I honestly can't remember them all. There weren't many. I, uh, but I checked the Christian box, and when I got home, I, I asked her which box should I have checked. And she told me I, I checked the right box. So then it's always nice to get 100% at school. But I wasn't a Christian. We weren't Christian people. I was a sinner. That was not one of the boxes that we could have selected. But if they pass around a card like that, it did say other. If you're not saved, under other, check that box and write sinner. That's ridiculous, isn't it? You need to be saved. What do Christians, uh, what is their response during dark and, and troublesome times? Well, we see what these two did, which is what we must do. They prayed and they sang, apparently in that order. Sometimes the order can be reversed. But uh, we pray and we, and we sing. These, the natural response, if we're not careful, and it's certainly the response uh, typically of, of the world, but even the world can respond favorably at times. But the natural response, it can be to grumble and complain and to... Uh, say, why me, and all of those things, but the appropriate response when we face turbulent dark times is to pray and to sing. That's what, that's what brought us to camp meeting. That's what brings us to church. We, we've enjoyed hearing 
the singing. We've enjoyed the singing. Uh, we have prayed before we came. We'll pray before we leave. So we thank God that we can re- respond. Praise and prayer is, is not necessarily spontaneous or automatic. We must be uh, disciplined. Or we might say we must be disciples of Jesus Christ. And then that response can drive away gloom and, and fear and doubt and all kinds of discouragement because praying and praising God and singing cannot coexist with the alternatives. It works. Well, what, what does sin do? As Chandler needed to be saved from sin, for sure. Well, sin harms. That's why Paul cried out, Do thyself no harm. Sin still harms. And I like the Romans 6.16 asks the question, Know you not that to whom you yield your servants, yourself servants to obey, his servants you are to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. Involved in that is a choice that we each make. We choose to yield ourselves to God and to serve Him. The jailer knew about hard task masters, and we can see that he did by his response when the earthquake came and the prison doors opened, and he assumed that all of the prisoners were had escaped or were escaping. He knew he, had, he faced a certain death sentence. That's the penalty of sin as well. Even if it's not immediate, sin destroys. And, and this, uh, this jailer had a hard task master multiplied times many in the Roman government officials. So he knew the harm that could come by the master that he chose to serve. He trembled. The jailer trembled. Which arises or brings to mind the question, uh, what, what does conviction look like? Well, it can look like that, trembling, quaking, uh, 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 a condemnation, a, a, a stirring, a concerning. Uh, the quake uh, shook the foundations of the prison, but Holy Ghost conviction shakes the, the foundation of the individual soul. And it is a gift of God to be under conviction. Even when we uh, were not aware we were under conviction, it was uh, the Holy Spirit. That's His function uh, to reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment to come. Uh, to reprove could be uh, uh, translated to uh, bring conviction or expose or unmask. We cannot hide from the Holy Spirit if there's something in our lives that people around us are not aware of, but God, of course, uh, sees through that uh, facade and looks down into the heart. And, and the Spirit of God has a, a function of convincing us of our sins. And, and He initiates it. It's not, it's not the jailer who went to the house of God. It is God who went to the prison house. To, to reach out to that jailer. He knew he would be there. The Lord knew you would be here today. And if you're in an unsaved state, the Lord has showed up uh, as well as you have. 
what the saved looked like. Well, sin tears things apart. It's like a, an earthquake can leave property in shambles. But saved has the power to pull things back together. We don't know the destructive power of sin and, and the impact it had on the jailer's life, but we can tell the impact that saved had on the jailer's life and upon his household. And it was a very, a very productive, very positive. The Greek word translated saved is elsewhere translated made whole. And we can see it with that Syrophoenician woman who said, if I may but touch the hem of his garment, I shall be whole. Speaking much more than her debating the physical condition. And Jesus told her, Be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee whole. And the woman was made whole from that same hour. Uh, we could uh, substitute saved in there. But uh, we, we see that healing to the, to the body is the same as salvation to the soul. If we are in an unsafe condition, we are not whole. Uh, we are not healthy. Uh, we ha have a need uh, of a touch fr from the Master. So what does it look like? It reconciles. It reconciles us to God uh, through Jesus Christ in an unsaved state. We're estranged from God. Our sins have separated between us and God. There's only one remedy for restoring that relationship with God with which Adam and Eve originally were created with in, in harmony and in unity. But when they fell, uh, there needs to be a, an advocate. And we have an advocate in Jesus Christ. He gave his life a ransom for every one of us. So it uh, saved, reconciled. It provides victory. It provides assurance in our heart. It, may, it makes us, I say us, and hopefully it has made all of us a more each of us a more pleasant person. Now, sinners can be pleasant. Most of the time. Christians ought to be pleasant all the time. But, but saved, it works. It's more than, salvation is more, being saved is more than a fix-all, a remedy for your, all the problems we have in life. After you're saved, you're going to face problems. That, those, those may not change. Uh, saved forgives us of our sins, delivers us from that captivity that the jailer who was over prisoners had. Though he was over them, he was still a prisoner. Salvation releases us from that. The doors are open. The shackles fall off. We can finally live the way God intended us to live. And we can uh, live saved, which is to live without sinning anymore, ever again. This audience is full of individuals who are saved young and are still saved. It's full of others who are saved later and are still saved. There's power in the gospel of Jesus Christ to save and to keep 
It's hard not to be kept and because the power of God is always available. The Holy Spirit is always near to check us and to uh, draw us to, uh, to hold back and realize, no, this is, this is temptation. This is an allurement to a sin. We need not yield to it. That's what saved is. It's saved from sinning. Does saved produce evidence? Well, unsaved produces evidence eventually. Even the most pleasant unsaved person will manifest the unsaved condition by something rising up from within. Even if no one on the planet sees it but themselves, they must come to the realization, ah, I don't like that, I don't like myself, I'm not whole, I'm not the way God made me to be. You need to be saved. God will save you. What must I do to be saved? He'll answer that uh, question, and I will in, in a moment as well, although you already know, know the answer. But the, the evidence of salvation certainly does exist. The best that fallen man uh, can address uh, are the symptoms of bad behavior, uh, trying to mitigate them by uh, some means that will fall short if it's short of being saved. It takes the blood of Jesus to release us, to free us. But the blood of Jesus is available to do just that to anyone who wants. We see the, the jailer uh, going, uh, returning home. And uh, the, the poet Silas promised that the Lord would, would save him and his house. So he, he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes and, and was baptized. He had all his straight way. I don't know if he had any training in nursing. I, I don't think he really much cared for those prisoners. He was dealing with rough individuals who probably uh, used profanity toward him and uh, had no regard for him. Uh, when they came into the prison, he was used to them looking cold-hearted at them and him returning that, that glance, uh, we might assume, uh, correctly or incorrectly, but he wasn't saved. And, and so he, he wasn't a pleasant person having not accompanied or been associating with pleasant people. So we can only use conjecture to wonder what he was like at home. When he left for work, looks like he worked graveyard. But anyway, when he left for work, that was enough to make him grumpy. <laughs> i got to work at night. I don't like this. I don't like this job. I don't like the people I'm with. I don't like the way they treat me. It's just not fair. That was evidence of his moral condition. And it was not pleasant. But in the middle of the night, he heard, and perhaps annoyed by this praying and singing down in that dungeon far off in the dark. He uh, perhaps could hardly know who was, who was doing that. But he, he was hoping to get some sleep. Well, sleep didn't come, but an earthquake did. And it shook him to his foundation. The prison doors opened. And why, that's another question, why did not the prisoners escape? And why, after he went back to the house, a different man that had left the house and was greeted by probably his, his fearful wife and cowering children, uh, but they soon discovered that the man who left to go to work was a different man than the one who came home from work. That's what saved does. 
If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. It's a miracle. It's a transformation. It's not uh, anything that uh, the human condition can, can do. Uh, the human condition needs a heavenly solution. Jesus offers it. Saved doesn't take one immediately to heaven. Saved helps one to live like God wants and to live while still on earth. We thank God for that. So he was a new husband and a new dad. And instead of having a funeral service that they would have had because of what he was going to do, thinking the prisoners had escaped, they had a celebration. And uh, as he nursed uh, Paul and Silas, uh, the wife and children must have looked on in amazement. They had never seen Dad act like that. But that's the way he acted. And then of all the things, when they got done having their, uh, their feast, uh, one of them said, all right, it's time to go back to the prison. And they went back, all of them. We know that because the account continues where the authorities uh, said, let them go. And Paul and Silas said, well, you put us in here against the Roman law. You can take us out of here. And I'm sure he said it in a very Christ-like fashion. But he asked, the, the, the question, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And the answer was, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved, you and your house. And that is exactly what happened. Now, salvation, whether you understand the theology of it, you can certainly grasp the practicality of it. It makes you a new creature in Christ Jesus. Some of us got saved before we ever heard what saved was. And the experience we received matched up with the what we later understood the Bible to say and what we later understood apostolic faith ministers to teach us. There's victory in Jesus. I still remember that altar in, in Roseburg where uh, I'd been saved for, for two months but I'd never heard of being saved. But the conversion experience was very uh, dramatic from for me, no one else around, and the power of God went through my being when I asked him to forgive me of my sins. It's something I don't recall yet, ever having been taught, but God <clears throat> gave me that prayer and then I added to it, Lord, I don't see how I can ever do it, but if you help me, I'll try to serve you. And that's when the power of heaven went through my being, and I was a changed person in a moment of time. But not being brought up in, in a Christian home and not understanding the, the ways of the gospel or the terminology that we use and take for granted. Uh, I didn't want to, when I went to church, they asked me if I was saved, and I told them no. Well, I didn't know what it was, as I said, but I was in the creature in Christ Jesus. I, uh, the buddies came over and wanted to go out and do what we were accustomed to doing on, on weekend nights, and I had replied to them the, the next weekend after that experience, I'm not going to do that anymore. Well, by, by the, I attended the church finally uh, because I didn't know where one, one was. Anyway, uh, they asked me if I was saved first uh, with uh, Brother Earl and Sister Sylvia, where my future wife uh, was living at the time. And they asked me if I saved, and I said no. Well, I, I, it was so dramatic. I, I, I wondered if literally an angel from heaven would appear somehow, some way, some marvelous miracle that I could observe. I wasn't going to, I just didn't know what it meant. Well, the angel still hasn't showed up, but they gave me to understand uh, that. 
that saved would make you a new creature in Christ Jesus. So then a month after that, in Rosary, I'm at the altar, and they, they said, well, when, when you get saved, you'll know it, because the old habits of life, they'll drop off, and you'll be a, a new person. And I, I, I looked at them, and I, well, I said, well, that happened two months ago. So when he talks saved, well, this is not an apostolic faith doctrine. This is a Bible doctrine. Don't tell me you're saved if you're still sinning. Before I was ever instructed, I stopped sinning after that experience. Nobody told me you won't do that. They didn't tell me you'll begin making restitutions. I had already started making restitutions. The profanity-laced conversation was gone in that moment. Never again. The buddies came over, as I said, I'm not going to do that anymore. And I never did. What must I do to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Today. It's midnight. Times are dark. Do yourself no harm. Don't go through the rest of your life laboring under this uh, miserable condition of not being saved and not having power to resist the devil. Give your heart to God. He'll save your soul. Write your name in the Lamb's Book of Life, and you'll look back to this day, same as I looked back to that day two months earlier when they asked me those questions. God will do it. We'll have this invitation song. Take advantage of praying. <laughs>